Welcome to Mind Your Mind. Mind Your Mind podcast is for busy people like you who want to enjoy life and free up their time and emotional space by learning valuable tools for self-care and mindfulness. Our weekly topics are filled with compelling discussions and practical solutions to increase your productivity and healthy living. I'm your host, Joseph Tropper, and I'm honored to have you here with me today. Hello and welcome to Mind Your Mind, episode 53, four helpful ideas for social anxiety. And I know that there's going to be a mixture of different people that hear this title and some people are going to say, oh my gosh, that's me, but you're never going to be able to help me in just four ideas. Um, In which case, please stick around. And some people are going to say, yeah, that's not really me. I don't need this. And that's cool too. But I think that you might learn something because I always try to incorporate interesting things. So let's talk about what social anxiety is. Everybody has a little bit of jitters when they are around other people and uh, some people have it worse than others. Um, And let's just say that the prevalence of the clinical diagnosis of uh, social anxiety disorder is about 7% of the population in the United States gets uh, diagnosed with some form of social anxiety. It's in the the anxiety uh, family, and very often there's other anxieties that come with it. Um, It's a little bit higher for females than males. For example, it's about 8% uh, prevalence for females and about 6% for males. And not surprisingly, the strongest group hit by it is age 18 to 29. Um, But the good news is that it actually gets better um, and drops very, very significantly as people get older, um, which shows us that it probably uh, is something that people do outgrow to some degree. It's not an immaturity at the least bit. It's just kind of an adaption of getting used to uh, being a a person who is involved with society. Um, And as people get older, they stop caring about uh, what other people think so to speak. And it's estimated that about 12% of the United States population will suffer from social anxiety or some form of it, whether from mild to severe um, sometime throughout their life. So it's it's not as irrelevant as you think. So let's, let's go with a clinical diagnosis first so that we're a little bit more clear on what it actually is and what it's not. So basically, the way that the uh, DSM uh, diagnosis is that it's characterized by a persistent fear of one or more social or performance situations which a person is exposed to unfamiliar people, possible scrutiny by others. And this is something that gets in the way and help, makes them feel embarrassed and humili- humiliating, and very often they will avoid uh, those situations because of the anxious feelings. So let's explain, just because it's so important to hear it, if you do have social anxiety or if you have jitters around other people, you're normal. Um, One of the evolutionary benefits, and this has nothing to do with whether you believe in evolution or not, it's evolutionary psychology. It just means that our bodies and brains are wired in a way that we're always growing and always learning from situations. And one of the explanations for social anxiety is that uh, as we grow up, we are influenced by people who are around us, and their opinions do matter, and sometimes their opinions uh, make a difference in our life to life and death. For example, Uh, When we're young and we don't know that a fire is dangerous, uh, our parents and our loved ones and our caregivers teach us that fire is dangerous. And so many things that we're taught are very important, and we learn things in a social setting. So we actually learn to be cognizant of other people, and sometimes we learn very strongly that what other people say makes a big difference, and it could be life and death. And so what happens to our brain is that it just becomes used to and wired to listening to other people. And so we're definitely more influential. Now, of course, there, there are kids that are really stubborn and really independent and strong-minded. And I think society as a whole, certainly United States society, tries to encourage that independence in children. But the idea that we're willing to listen to other people and we're influenced by them, um, which is what peer pressure is all about, is very normal. 
and it's very understandable. And it actually comes from a decently healthy place, which is why it's important to surround yourself with healthy people that we should try to make sure that our children are surrounded by healthy people and have healthy and uh, friends and adults in their lives. And so social anxiety is just a idea of a person kind of ruminating a little bit too long on the fact that what other people think about me is important and I can't function and I'm embarrassed and I'm scared. Uh, another evolutionary benefit is that, which is part of stranger anxiety disorder, is number one, it pulls us, if we have stranger anxiety, it pulls us closer to our caregivers and it also protects us from dangerous people because other people sometimes are predators and sometimes are dangerous. So once we recognize that these feelings are normal feelings, they're evolutionary feelings built into us and they're defense mechanism feelings, we could just start accepting them. And when we start accepting them, um, that will help us overcome them. So step number one out of the four that we're going to discuss today uh, that, that I think is one of the most helpful things is to normalize yourself and recognize that everyone has a little bit of jitters. Remember, about 11 to 12 percent of the population will suffer from it sometimes. So one in about 10 or so people have severe enough that it could be diagnosed as social anxiety. But uh, many people, remember, 22% of the population have anxiety issues. So about one in four people or so are going to have some type of jitter or, or nervousness when they go to a party. And now you understand why there's so much alcohol that's used in parties to try to take away the inhibition and fears of people, which doesn't really help. So the first thing is just accept it and normalize it and recognize just to yourself that everyone feels a little bit of jitters and just tell yourself that normally if I just jump in and I forget about it, it usually will go away. Now, it's not always true with a lot of people, but that's the first step of just kind of accepting it. Step number two, tip number two, is where some of the therapeutic value comes in. Uh, this could be done. There are workbooks that help people with social anxiety issues or social anxiety tendencies. Um, I one time went to a convention and this is a big insult to people in this profession, but it said, you know, not everyone with social anxiety has a problem. Some of them just become really successful accountants and they just sit by their desk all day and deal with themselves. And of course, I have many friends and relatives who are accountants and I don't think that they necessarily have social anxiety issues or antisocial um, issues. I don't mean that in a clinical way either, but just practically, uh, many accountants like to uh, work with other people and enjoy that part and enjoy the business part. Um, but the idea is that um, there are plenty of us that have different jitters or different things, and we might develop a coping skill that works for us, and that's okay. Or where I come in is if you feel like your coping skill is uh, impeding your social life. I'm afraid of being introduced to other people. I'm afraid that they're going to tease me or criticize me. I don't like to be the center of attention. I don't like being watched. Um, meeting people in authority scares me. Uh, social encounters, especially with strangers, is really odd. Probably one of the most awkward places to meet people is, is the... Uh, elevator. There's a psychology behind that as well. We're kind of stuck together and everybody wants their own autonomy and space. And when you're stuck in a cattle car, smushed together, uh, everybody's stuck together, that that uh, feels a little bit imposing on many people. But if it gets involved with, it, it stops us from having interpersonal relationships, friendships or romantic, um, and avoiding things, then, then we need to get some work around it. So the first thing is accept that you're normal. Second thing is um, with that acceptance, if that doesn't push you over, then do some CBT. This is one thing that I actually think cognitive behavioral therapy is good for. Talked about this in the past. It's very solution focused. It's very in the moment focused. Uh, you could do that. There are great workbooks out there. Just look on Amazon and read the reviews. Anything that has, you know, a number of stars, you'll be able to tell right away the top three books. Um, I use them all the time with my clients. And you could do it by yourself as well or with a friend. Um, if something doesn't work for you and you feel like you're still stuck, then of course, find someone to talk to, whether it's a coach or whether it's a mental health therapist. There are plenty of therapists out there who could help very much with social anxiety. We use many of the of the skills that we have in treating anxiety for helping with social anxiety. 
Number three, and this one, the people with social anxiety who get to this level and the acceptance and the CBT didn't help, they really don't like this one. But the ones that do it gain a lot. And it's called join a support group. Now, this is kind of a paradox because here they're afraid of anxiety. They have anxiety about being in social settings and I'm telling them to join a support group. Well, this is where it gets interesting. There are groups that are online or phone call based and just talking to other people and hearing about their struggles really does help normalize it and help people get into the cognitive behavioral approach or learn about other modalities that other people have tried. And so that support group, if you could do it in person, I think that's the best. But if the social anxiety is so strong that it's just too hard. And there is agoraphobia, which is people that are afraid to come out of their house. Now, agoraphobia is very fascinating because I've worked with a number of clients. And you might ask me, have I worked with people that have agoraphobia if they're afraid to go out of their house? Um, so the simple answer is that sometimes I've done home visits in the past in clinics that I've worked for, but the long answer is that actually people with agoraphobia will step out of the house for specific reasons. So for example, if they need to get medication or they need to go to the, um, grocery store, it, it, it will be, uh, a, a very, very uh, tumultuous and difficult trip for many of the clients. But even going to therapy once a week and talking about how they can't get out of the house any other time is totally normal and would not preclude agoraphobia. And they're not faking it either. Um, so what I've seen is that sometimes they will start therapy, but then as they get better, sometimes um, it's hard for them to make it to therapy. So be supportive and, and, and be kind with yourself. And for therapists out there who are listening, um, try to come up with a plan with the client themselves and understand uh, what allows them to come to your office or whether you could go to their house if your uh, agency that you're working for allows for home visits. Currently, we don't do that. Um, but there are some places that do uh, work with people in their homes. Um, but joining that support group could be very, very helpful and could help break out of it. And finally, the last thing, and this is not necessarily in the last order, because any mental health issue, I always recommend people talk to at least their primary care doctor. And if it's anything more complicated, then certainly a psychiatrist. But look into medication. And what I've seen, especially with anxiety, is that talking to a doctor and getting clarity about medication, not necessarily whether you should just definitely jump into it and take it, but just understanding what medication options are out there. Um, anti-anxiety medication works very quickly and it does wonders. And I've seen people take it for short amounts of time with a psychiatrist prescribing um, and really making about faces. So the bottom line is that if you're feeling some social anxiety, it's not easy getting out there, being out in the public, and you're very normal. And most of us do not like to be in the public, we certainly don't like any public speaking or uh, being in a forum where we feel like we're pressured to say something or just sound smart. Uh, the first thing to do is just kind of regulate yourself and just accept it. It's normal and just realize that everyone feels awkward. The next thing, if it doesn't help, is to work on CBT group, CBT uh, skills. The next thing is to think about joining a support group, not just think about it, but actually join the support group. And the fourth thing, which could be going on from step one and on, but is certainly if you get to the bottom of trying those three and haven't gotten any success, and I would definitely talk to your doctor about what the medication options are, and of course, make an educated decision about what your next steps are. Social anxiety is something that can be treated very well, and people can live happy and productive, romantic, interpersonal, um, and successful lives. I wish you the best, and I hope that you will uh, look at your own life and your friends with more compassion and understanding, knowing that they are normal and we are normal and having our feelings of jitters around other people sometimes. And we can work on it and become very comfortable around other people or at least more significantly more comfortable. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to mind your mind. For more practical ideas and to make sure you never miss an episode, visit us at mindyourmindonline.com.